um, if that video didn't get recorded, then it's going to sound like y'all were clapping for me. So thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> for that warm invitation. That's what we're doing here, y'all. We're, we're building bridges. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, five years ago yesterday, we moved into here. Do you know that? Five years ago yesterday, we moved into this facility and we started, we had our first worship service last night. We were in here uh, cleaning up, getting this room ready for our, our youth meeting, and we were just marveling. Did you know that if you guys are in the last three rows back there, you would not have been in the original and in this original room, because that wall right there, that little overhang, um, that's where the, this room ended when we first moved in here. And so some of y'all uh, would have been cut off right there. You'd be leaning against the wall. Um, a lot's happened in that time. Our, our Sunday worship attendance has, 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 has grown over 50%, 60%. We've started new house churches, supported more missionaries. Um, the work of God is, is going forth, and we're so excited about the future as we think about what God's been doing, um, I talk to pastors in, in this area, in this western part of Orange County, and, and uh, most of them say there's no, there's no other church besides ours that's reaching out to a, a, multi, a multicultural demographic that's doing this kind of an intergenerational ministry on this side of town. And we know that, that, that God has so much more that he wants to do, right? so much more that he's wanting to do. That's why we're building here. This is what this is all about. And so we thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being part of what, uh, what God's doing in our midst. As you saw on there, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that's been happening, but I know, I know in my heart that there's so much, like the, the, the future is far brighter and far more exciting than anything we've been up to until this point. And so I'm, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that you're joining together. I'm going to call us all in order for a better tomorrow for everyone who considers our church to be your church, your home, right? your place of belonging, your community. I'm asking that we all take a step of faith today a sacrificial step of faith today in order that these bridges might be built, bridge to bring the lost to, to know Christ. We've seen so many people come to saving knowledge of Jesus these past five years. We want to be a bridge to the generation that younger, that, that the young people, people younger than us, whoever you are, there are people younger than you, that they would be raised up as kingdom workers for the sake of the gospel and that we would shine forth the light of Christ in our community. That's what we're trying to do. It's not about a building, even though that's, that's the catalyst, that's the means, that's a bridge to get there. But it's about so much more that money can't buy. And so if you're new today, um, thanks for coming. I know that, um, again, you're coming into some, some, some family business here, but uh, we, we welcome you here. Say thank you so much for being with us. Um, as we go through our time, um, hopefully the Lord will speak to all of us. I'm sure he will. First um, Chronicles chapter 29. As we've been going through this uh, Building Bridges series, as I'm just trying to cast wide a vision for what God's calling us to do, Last four weeks, um, and maybe it coincides with the fact that it's a new year, but we've had a lot of new people coming in and out. And um, again, I feel a little bit bad because we're talking about these things, but I was encouraged that last week we had some, some guests from up north and, and they're, they're sharing how they found um, what we were talking about in here to be of relevance for them and for their particular context in their churches as well. And so um, I know that God has a word for all of us, right? It's no accident that we're all here. So. First Chronicles 29, this is the building of the temple and David's call to his people. We're going to read verses 1 through uh, 21 here. This is God's word. Then King David said to the whole assembly, right, everybody, whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, 
and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? The leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the, and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We're aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said, to the whole assembly. Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the king. The next day, they made sacrifices to the Lord and presented burnt offerings to him, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, and a thousand male lambs, together with their drink offerings and other sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. They ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. This is God's word. A lengthy passage, but a good one indeed, appropriate for our situation. Three thoughts here. Why should we give sacrificially? Why should we take a sacrificial step of faith? I want to give you three motivations here. Here's the first one. Basically, God for God, for us, for, for others. The first, here's the first thought, and if you write in, in your bulletin, you could follow along there. But we sacrifice for the things we value. We sacrifice for the things we value. I know that Every parent in here has said something like this before. There is nothing I would not do for my child, right? Why? Because we sacrifice for, the thing that, for, for things that are valuable to us. That's why we 
Uh, that's why we buy organic foods, even though it costs a little bit more, because we want the best for our children. We don't want them having all these like allergies and weird stuff because of all these different ingredients that go in. So we buy organic foods. That's why we watch Yo Gabba Gabba day after day after day after day. It's so annoying, and it's the same show they want to watch, but we watch it with them. Why? Because that's the sacrifice of our time to be with the ones that we value, to be with the ones that we love. We sacrifice for the things that we value. Now, David, he says in verse 29, he says, the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. He's saying this is God's house. And if he's the true king, then I want to build a palace fit for the king. And in order for that to happen, then I need to give the very best that I have. So he, with his resources, verse two, with all my resources, I provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the, all this stuff that he's given. And then it says in verse three, besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything else that I've already given. Why? Because David valued God and he valued the temple. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And because he valued God, he was willing to make a sacrifice for the God that he loved. This is a principle of life that we all know. You remember in uh, 2 Samuel 24, there's a passage where the Israelites are in big trouble from God because they sinned against him. God is bringing his judgment. And God says, "You you need to build an altar on the property, on the threshing floor of a man named Araunah the Jebusite. Do you guys know this story? 2 Samuel 24. And so God says, build an altar on his property. And so David goes to him and he says, I need your property, right? I need to buy your property. And Araunah the Jebusite says, no, I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to sell it to you because you're the king. So here, take it, take whatever you want, the threshing floor, whatever else you need, take it, take all of it, because I want to offer that to you. This was his way of showing that I sacrificed for the one that I value. But what did David say? What was David's response? He said, you know what? I don't want it from you. I will take it from you and I will give you money for it, but I'm not taking it as a free gift. Why? Because he says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings, which cost me nothing. Says Because God means so much to me, I don't want you to just give that to me. I need to offer something to him. I need to offer something for it so that I know in my heart that I didn't just give leftovers. I didn't just get this for free, but this was my free will gift, my sacrificial gift in order that I might bring my worship to the God that I love so much. We understand this. Isn't that why some of you have a hard time accepting gifts from people? Someone tries to take you out to eat and you're always like fighting to pay for it. Because you'd rather pay for them than have them pay for us. Why? Because that's, how can I take that without paying for it? If I've received something so gracious from you, then at least I should pay for it. At least I should give something to you. That was the heart of David to God. It's like, you've given me so much, God. How can I not give you something? You've given me so much. I value you. I love you. I need you more than anything else in this world. I, I can't take this without giving something to you. Because that's the principle of life. We sacrifice for the things that we value. Now, the Israelites, throughout their checkered history, had moments where they gave their best to God, and then a lot of moments where they didn't. And the reason why the prophets railed on Israel so much, because God was speaking to the prophets, saying, you're just giving me the leftovers. You're just giving me the leftovers. How does that show uh, me how much you value me? This is God saying, how does that show how much you value me when you're giving me these lambs that have busted eyes, these blind lambs, these lambs that are already crippled that you don't need? What does that show about the worth of God? This is what God is saying through the prophets to the people of Israel. 
saying, is that what I mean to you? See, our offerings, our gifts, our sacrifices show our own hearts, but it shows God how much we value him in the same way that everything we sacrifice for shows us how much we value that. Let me throw a scenario out here. You've got, maybe you're a single lady here, and this guy approaches you and says, hey, I want to I take you out on a date. First thing you need to do is you need to pray. Second thing you need to do is you need to come talk to me because I'm your pastor, and your friends are going to tell you, yeah, you know, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to say, yeah, date him. Maybe he's got some good single friends for me also. They're going to tell you what you want to hear, what they want you to hear, what they want to hear for themselves. But you need to hear it straight. You need to get good spiritual, scriptural advice. But say you don't. And you say yes to this clown. And so here's this guy. He's like, hey, let's go out. I want to take you out. They've got this great restaurant I'm to take you to. And you're like, okay, that sounds good. And he says, what night are you free? And you're like, well, definitely not Wednesday night because I've got prayer meeting that I need to go to. Um, not Thursday night because that's my only night off. I can do Sunday night, Monday night. Tuesday night, Friday night, Saturday night. He's like, how about Thursday? You're like, no, no, I just told you I can't do Thursday. I can't do Thursday. He's like, please, just, why why can't you do Thursday? Well, I've got some stuff going on. He's like, can you change your schedule? Just rearrange your schedule so you can make it. There's this place, and it's got to be on a Thursday. So you're like, oh, okay. And so you, you cancel all these appointments, and you're super excited because, hey, it's special. Only one night a week. And so you get all dressed up, you wear your perfume, you got your earrings, you got your, your whatever girls wear that make you look pretty. And he rings a doorbell and dude shows up in a tank top, shorts and slippers, flip-flops. You're like, we going to the beach and she, you're all dressed up. You're like, should I go change? You're like, no, don't worry about it. We got no time. We, let's go. And so you get in the car and he drives to the other side. And we're in west part of Orange County. He drives all the way to the other side to UCF about and you get hit traffic hour and a half you get there and so finally he's like well it's going to be so worth it. it's going to be so worth it and you're driving there you're driving there finally you pull in to the golden arches mcdonald's like, is he being for real right now maybe he's just kind of he's just clowning with me he's like all right here we are let's go and he gets out of the car and you follow him and then you realize aha and you see on the on the window thursday special buy one cheeseburger get one free you're s- all right. And so you want, maybe he wants to eat seven or eight cheeseburgers. So you walk in, you're really craving a McChicken. He's like, oh, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and order for you. And he says, just uh, two, uh, two cheeseburgers, please. You're like, uh, that's it? You're like, that's it. He's like, for here to go, uh, for here. You're thinking to yourself, what the nasty is going on right now? And then he's like, well, no, don't worry about it because I've, we're, we're going to go someplace afterwards. And so well, after you eat your, your, your one uh, 50 cent cheeseburger, whatever it is, he takes you to this ice cream, or ice cream place and you get this 50 cent cone because it's a Thursday night special. And then he, he says, well, we're going to watch a movie. We're going to watch a movie. And you get to the movie theater and it's like Thursday's only $1 movie. It's like this movie that you don't want to see. Right? You hate aliens. You hate monsters. But it's aliens versus monsters. That's what you're watching because <laughs> it's a dollar. If that's your date, what do you suppose you ought to do? I've got one word for you. One word for you in the immortal words of Chris Rock. One word, run. (laughs) Why? If there's no investment, then there's no interest. If there's no valor, then there's no value. Because we sacrifice for the things that we value. 
Let me ask you a question. How much do you value this house here? Again, I'm not necessarily talking to those of you who are here for the first time. But for those of us who say, you know what, I love my church. Isn't it interesting, if it's true that we sacrifice for what we value, that so many of us are giving a whole lot more to pad the pocket of Howard Schultz and Starbucks than we are to the house of God. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just trying to let the numbers speak for themselves. That's it. That's the reality. Some of us are giving a whole lot more to Mr. Hollister or Mr. Abercrombie or Mr. Fitch than we are to God. But where do you go when you've hit rock bottom in your life? Where do you go when your relationships are falling apart? Where do you go when you've come to the end of your rope and you need somebody, something to get you through the next day? Where do you go when you're questioning your eternity? You wonder what's the purpose of life. Where do you go? Unless you've got the number to the CEO of Starbucks or any of these places. Ultimately, we sacrifice for the things that we value. There are a lot of people, and I was like this also, there are a lot of people who say, hey, you know what, church? You know what, pastor? Feed me. Teach me. Buy me a meal. Pray for me. Comfort me. Cry with me. Weep with me. Laugh with me. Tell me a joke. Pray for me. Be there for me. But don't expect anything from me. And I say that because that's, I mean, I've been there too. But God is showing me that this is the reality. I do sacrifice for the things that I value. Why is it that in the midst of the worst economic times in our generation, that people in America are spending more than we've ever spent in our lives? Why? Number one, we're stupid. Because we buy, you've heard this, we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like with money we don't have. So we're rolling in our eyeballs in debt, credit card debt, swimming in it. But here's the other reason. You know why. Because we sacrifice for what we value. That's why next Sunday there's going to be a football game on TV. And the cheapest, as of Friday, the cheapest ticket to get into that place is $1,779. The cheapest ticket on the resale market, StubHub, $1,700. Why? $1,700 so I could sit in 20, 30-degree weather with snow coming down. Why? Because they value these things. Because we value these things. We sacrifice for what we value. I just want to press in and ask that simple question. And how much do you value your church? And how much has your church done for us, for you? Because we do sacrifice for what we value. Here's the second thing. Second thing that we see here is that God uses sacrifice to mold us into who he wants us to be. God uses sacrifice to mold us into who he wants us to be. We're going to look at at verse 5 here. After David talks about the fact that I've given all of this stuff, then David looks up and he says, Now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Notice that he didn't say, Now, Who's going to give? 
Now, who's got stuff that they want to offer? Now, who's got leftover jewelry? Now, who wants to make a sacrificial offering of their money? He doesn't say anything about money. He doesn't say anything about their gifts, nothing about their offering. He says, who wants to consecrate himself to me today? To the, I'm sorry, not to me, but to the Lord. Why? Because he knows this very simple idea that God uses sacrifice. It's not about the heart. It's not about the amount. It's not about the art. It's not about the act. It's about the heart. That's why Jesus could praise a woman who gave two copper coins that amounted to a penny. And he could say she's given more than anybody else. Why? Because it was never about the amount. It's always about the heart. And as we give sacrificially, God molds our heart and shapes us to become the person that he wants us to be. That's why he doesn't say who wants to give. He says who wants to consecrate himself to the Lord. You know this idea of how every time you sacrifice, that molds you into a different kind of person. Anything you want, you want to be great at anything in life. The, the, the largest growing demographic, we've got, we're an intergenerational congregation. We've got middle school, high school, college, singles, married folks, people with kids, the whole gamut. The largest, fastest growing demographic is not our middle schoolers, it's not our married people, it's our meatheads. We've got a growing number of meatheads in our congregation. People who, all they do is they work out. They're crazy. These guys are insane. Raise your hand, you're one of these people. Actually, you don't need to. They can't raise their hand, their muscles are too big. But you can see who they are. A lot of them are on this side. They, they change their diet. Like they completely change the way that they eat. They're, all, they're like grilling chicken instead of eating fried chicken. That used to be like their meal of choice, but now they're like making all these weird healthy foods from the cookbook. They're not eating at certain places. They're eating at certain strange places. They're, they're, they're drinking kale smoothies and all kinds of stuff. I look at them and I'm like, poor, what, what is that? Oh, it's so sad. You are what you eat, right? And so there's one guy drinks so much protein that He's protein. They call him protein. These guys are massive. Why? Because they want to look like me and they know that I don't do. (laughs) Just kidding. Some of y'all who are new are like, is this guy being serious? No, not serious. But the reason they do that is because they want to have, they want to look a certain way. They want to be great at something. They want to be healthy. You want to be healthy? Doesn't come by eating lollipops and Hershey's bars all day long. Because we sacrifice for these things. Anything you want to be great at. You want to be a great guitar player, you've got to practice. You've got to sacrifice. You've got to put in the time. Not just to be average, but you want to be great. Because when we sacrifice, right, these things are molding us into becoming the person that we want to be. Now let me put it, spin it the negative way. Some of us are making all kinds of sacrifices and are becoming someone that we don't want to be. Think about this. The sacrifice of your time. You're spending all your time with people who are leading you far away from God. And you're becoming a person that you don't want to be. Here's the reality. Sacrifice, whatever you sacrifice for, that's going to mold you and shape you into the person that you're becoming. Some of you spend a whole lot of money on sinful things. This is your sin tax. Substances, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. You spend money on these things. That's good. That's shaping. It's molding you into a different kind of person, a person you don't want to be. I was talking with someone um, the other day, not, not from our church, but they were talking about, oh, such and such is single, and why, are they still, why is this guy still single? And, and this person said to me, it's because, it's because he's watching too many Korean dramas and he's getting in his mind this twisted idea of what love and romance is supposed to be. And therefore, he's 40 years old and he's still single. 
Hey, you think that's funny, but that's a, there's a point that I'm making here. That when we sacrifice our time, our money on certain things, that's molding us. It's shaping us into something. Whether we like that something or not, whether we like that someone or not, our sacrifices of time and money and energy are molding us into somebody. You know what? Uh, Christian Smith did this, wrote this great book. It's a long-term study called Passing the Plate about the giving habits of American Christianity. And the upshot was American Christians are incredibly ungenerous. Right? And you look at what he, he talks about how on average we give he said, if we were to take the, the, the combined earnings of Christians in America, he said, we'd have an, an annual a, a GDP, gross domestic product, of, of, of the sixth highest nation in the world. And that's how much we make. But we give away about 1% or 2% of it. And the great majority of Americans, even upper middle class, don't think that they have a lot. They consider themselves to be, quote unquote, just getting by. Tell you a quick trip to a foreign country will put a whole lot of things in perspective, won't it? If Americans are giving one or two percent and we become like our sacrifice, is it small wonder that Christianity in America is shrinking and dwindling along with our lack of sacrifice to God? Because we become like the people. We become like the things we're sacrificing for. Now, think about this. Think about this for a second. Whenever we sacrifice for God, whenever we sacrifice for God, he uses that, he takes that, he molds us into the person that he wants us to be. That's why, it, it, I mean, it's not just about our budget here. It's not a budget-based decision. It is a step of faith to not just give off of the top, and I've got $10 left over every month, so I'm going to give that. It's about sacrifice and sacrifice unless there's sacrifice. That makes sense? Sacrifice isn't sacrifice unless there's sacrifice. And with these hands lifted high, I will bring a sacrifice. Ice, ice. If, if there's no sacrifice in it, then it's not really a sacrifice. It doesn't change the way that we live. Uh, every yes is a thousand no's. And so we say yes to Chick-fil-A, then we're saying no to all of these other things. We say yes to a brand new TV, then we're saying no to a thousand other things. We say yes to, to this leisure that we're spending money on, we're saying no to a thousand other things. We say yes to God. I don't believe that we will ever regret saying yes to God. Because God uses our sacrifice to mold and to shape us into the person that he's calling us to be. Think about this little boy in the gospel accounts. He was numbered amongst the thousands of people on that Galilean countryside that one day when Jesus said, we're, we're out of food. Send them away to feed them. And this little boy came up and he said, well, I've got five pieces of bread and two fish. Maybe to a lot of us, that's not a sacrifice. But for him, that was all he had. And Jesus took that. And he fed these people. But do you think that that boy ever, ever, every day of that little boy's life, for the rest of his life, you think he didn't wake up thinking, man, if I saw Jesus again, I would do that a million times over. I would do that a million times over. Maybe he had buddies in there who could have experienced that, but they sat on their lunch because they want to keep it to themselves. 
where they could never experience that. Man, this kid, you think as he grows older, I don't know who this kid is. I would love to see him in heaven one day. Maybe he gets married and he's got, he's got a kid. They, maybe in Israel they hit some hard times financially. and Like, what are we going to do? If for a moment, this kid ever doubted that the God of Israel was able to provide for him. Because God uses our sacrifice to mold us into the person he wants us to be. And the last thing, the last thing, the sacrifice for the kingdom of God, sacrifice for God's kingdom, always, always is a worthy investment. So if you are looking in your Bible, 29, Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29 is the last chapter in this book. And the very next thing, we see the death of David. One of the final acts, the culminating acts of his life, that he gave everything that he had in order that God's palace might be built. And I've made a lot of investments. Well, not a lot of investments. I've made some investments in my life. I invested in a home in 2007. That home has lost its value like many of us in here who invested at that time. I've invested into a small amount of money, about $300. That's all I've ever deposited about eight years ago into an IRA. And it's pretty much gone, lost all. And that's, that's not a lot. <laughs> I've invested at some point in baseball cards and football cards, buy them for a dollar, sell them for two only to see their value drop to 50 cents before I could sell it. Invested in several things, and they haven't really panned out too great. But there's one investment that I make week in, week out, and for never in a moment have I ever regretted giving to the work of God. Never, ever, ever for a second thought twice that I wish I could not have to do this. I wish I could use this for something else. I've never have. And God has always, 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 always taken care of Olivia and me and our children. Times where we're like, we don't know how we're going to make this. At one point, it was just Olivia and me, two incomes. Now, Olivia and me, we've got a third child on the way, one income. But God is continually providing everything that we need so that we can give and pledge more than we did during our first pledge. And it's exciting for us. Yeah, it's a little bit scary, but it's exciting because we know that God is good. For 30-plus years of my life, he's shown that he's been good. He's faithful, and he will always continue to be faithful. He always will. David says in, in, in verse 15, says, Our days on earth are like a shadow. Bam, gone. What is it that old people, elderly people regret when they get to the end of it all? David's lying on his deathbed. What does he want? He doesn't, and I promise you that you guys, as you lay on your deathbed, you're not going to say, oh, bring me my bank statements. I can look at it one more time. (laughs) You're not going to say that. Just give me one more scratch off lottery ticket so I could. What do we say? I want to see people. I want to see my family, see my loved ones. Why? Because people are eternal, stuff isn't. Listen, in this life, 
we will go through life one of two ways. Either we will use people to get stuff or we'll use stuff to win people. And when you use this, this is Luke 16, 9. Jesus says, use your worldly wealth. Right? Use what God's given you financially. Use that wealth in the eyes of the world so that you could store up treasures in heaven. One investment that you're, you're not going to regret. David was willing to make an investment into a temple and generations that would worship, but he would never see that. He would never see that. And I ask this to our people a lot of times. I say, are you willing to pray for a revival in our land, even if you may never live to see the day that that revival comes? Are you still willing to pray because the generations to come matter that much? Are you willing to pray for that, to give to that, to invest into that, even though you may never see it? Even though this may be as big a group you ever see in that new building, are you willing to give so that your children and their grandchildren could bring more people into the family of God? I believe we're going to see it. But hypothetically speaking, are you willing to give even though you never see it? Are you willing to give even though you might never see the blessing of it, but it would impact generations to come? You know, the first missionaries, you've heard me say this, but the first missionaries who went to Africa didn't pack their stuff in a suitcase and backpacks. They packed it in coffins because they knew within three years they're going to be dead. But their only hope was, I want to go and I want to bring and, and, and plant seeds into the African ground for a revival that my people who come behind me will one day reap in and see. We're planting seeds for the harvest. That's what we're doing here. The first missionaries who went to Korea, not a single convert. First ones who went to China, killed. But the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And generations after, I'd be amazed to see 100 years later, the church in North Korea. There's a church in North Korea, by the way, that's vibrant and it's thriving. It's all underground. Nobody knows about it. But when God opens those doors, man, that, those people are going to rise up from the ashes. There's going to be a mighty revival in North Korea because there are people willing to lay down their lives and to give and to pray for something that they wouldn't ever live to see the day. That's what I'm calling us to do. Would we be willing to give even though we may never see it in all of its fulfillment and never see it in all of its full or glory, but when we get to the other side, I promise you that the only only regret I know in my heart the regret will be, I wish I'd given more. And I'm not saying that to, 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 to again, to coerce or pressure or manipulate, but I really, I mean, that's, that's me. That's my conviction. I'm not asking this to be yours. But I'm saying, I, I think that's going to be the regret. I'm not going to say, oh, I gave too much. Not, not for a moment. How can we do this? Only by the grace of God. You see, we always, always, always benefit from the sacrifice of other people. So many of us are here because other people gave that this building would be built. So many of us are here because people prayed that generations would rise up. So many of your souls were saved because there were people on their knees fighting, crying out, praying for your soul. Fasting, giving, 
praying, seeking, longing, searching, wrestling with God. Save them, bring them into the kingdom, change them. We always benefit from the sacrifice of others. Same is true with us in an ultimate sense. We look back 2,000 years ago to an old rugged cross where Jesus Christ, the King of glory, stripped naked, was slapped and beaten, spit, ridiculed, mocked, scorned, and ultimately left to die. Nails piercing his wrists and his feet, spear going through his side. Why? So that we could benefit from past grace. It's that work of Jesus at the cross that anchors everything about our lives. So we look back at the cross and we look forward to future grace. We look forward to the grace that's going to be revealed in people who you don't even know who are going to one day walk in the doors of our church. I'm asking, will you give not only for God, not only for your spiritual life, but would you give to those who would never darken the doors of a church? But one day, because you gave, because you prayed, because there was a gym, they said, I'll come there. And it's our faith in future grace that causes us to say, I will give because I know to whom I give and I know that he's worthy because we sacrifice for what we value. And when we do, God molds us to become the person we want. he wants us to be. And every time we do, we never lose out on that investment generation after generation after generation. Let's pray together. Take a minute minute to um, just pray to the Lord God. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to um, fill out our pledge cards. We're not going to turn it in at this moment. We'll do that at the end of our time here. But just, just pray for a moment right now. Maybe you've come in here with a pledge already in mind. It's felt like even in the last day, God's been changing my heart. Even this morning, God's been changing my heart. Saying, take a step, take another step. Maybe some of y'all have yet to fill out your, your pledge cards. And your prayer can be, God, show me. What is it that you want me to offer to you? Help me to give to the Lord my God offerings which cost something to me. Just for a minute, let's pray. If you're with your spouse, you can pray together with them. You can hold their hand. If you want to rearrange so that you get with your family members, or you can do that. Let's just pray and, and, and just ask, Lord God, help me. As you have been open-handed with me, that I'd be open-handed with you in order that we can't give. That God doesn't need anything. But the way we show our giving to God is by showing our giving to his church and to his people. Just pray for a minute right now. And then um, just from where you are, we're going to continue in a, in a posture of prayer, but 
going to invite us as part of our response to the Word of God to go ahead and fill out our pledge cards here. Just remaining in a spirit of prayer. I don't know if we have, do we have uh, pen, pens available? Writing utensils. If you need a pen, you can raise your hand. People will come around and give those to you. raise your hand from where you are and distribute these. Just remain prayerful. This is our act of commitment to the Lord. Team's ready. You guys can come up to the front here. that we don't give to get. We give because we've received. But the strange paradox of that is that when we give to you, you always have a way of pouring back into our lives. Maybe it's in spiritual blessings. Maybe it's in the reaping of fruit. Maybe it is in financial blessings, physical blessings. We're not buying these things from you in no way, no way. We're responding to your grace, but we're trusting that as we give, that you will take good care of us so that we might be a living testimony to your greatness and to your glory. Thank you so much for loving us with an abundant love. We can say that we love you, and we do because you've loved us first. We can say that we sacrifice for you whom we value because you sacrifice yourself for us whom you value. Thank you so much for loving us with an irresistible grace. 
move in us and stir in us. May we be glad and generous givers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.